you're listening to the Tech Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next hour or so or less, just depending on how we feel, uh, we'll be talking about all things tech. And I'm joined by my fellow presenter, Paul Armstrong, who's author of Disruptive Technologies. Hello. Hi. Had some lunch? Yeah. Feeling good, good feeling yep. a bit energetic now. Full sugar levels up and all that. Oh. No carb coma. No, <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, and we're joined by Alex Catcher of Animal Dynamics. And Erin uh, Platts from Silicon Valley Bank, who we've had on before. We like Silicon Valley Bank. Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> so, Erin, um, um, in front of me, I've got a piece of, um, well, sort of research here. Um, and it's a, a sort of insight document from Silicon Valley Bank. And it's about women in technology and their sort of startup outlook survey. Um, this commissioned by the bank? Yes, exactly. It's our own proprietary research that we conduct annually. Conduct anyway, great. So I would like to go through this and get some of your thoughts, Absolutely. which would be really good. Tell us a little bit about Silicon Valley Bank because I know we've had um, you guys on before, but but it, it is specifically, isn't it, to really help some of these startups out there? Absolutely. Um, a Silicon Valley Bank, we are a traditional commercial bank, and the most interesting thing about us is is actually the customers that we work with. So we work with innovation businesses from really early stage startups through to private and public corporates venture capital and private equity funds. And our our mission is to help make our clients more successful. So we work across sector, across um, stages, uh, globally, helping our clients be successful in that way. And part of that is to dig in in some of the industry conditions, business dynamics, and figure out how do we consolidate some of these views across the industry, make that accessible to our clients so we can start to talk about and dig into some of these issues. Mm. And is that because you feel that some um, sectors in, in, you know, in that sort of startup uh, and accelerator space um, are probably slightly underfunded or, or maybe don't apply for funds because they're a little bit risk averse and are sort of missing out? Well, I think... Firstly, our clients are just so busy, right? Mm. Their main job is to um, create a, a, a game-changing, a world-changing technology or business or idea. So if we can help them to provide access to uh, information, capital, uh, resources, we can make their lives easier, right? Take some of the, the pain or the noise out of them building a business. They can concentrate on building a business exactly. rather than that awful stuff all, around exactly. it. Exactly, <laughs> banking and all that, yeah. that fun stuff. So that's where we come in. Um, and so whether it's data or insights or capital or resources, we, mm-hmm. we try to step in and, and help support them in any way that we can, really. Mm. And, and this research here, is, is it UK or is it, is it across, you know, is it global or? or? It is. So um, we've got two reports that we've uh, launched this year, our Startup Outlook, which is uh, taking the temperature, I would say, of uh, our global client base, really US, UK, China focused, some European businesses as well. Um, and then we've got the women in tech sort of uh, supplementary piece that we've done as well. And that is, again, uh, global, but I would say most respondees are from UK, US and China. So UK, US and China is quite interesting, isn't it, Paul? Having Absolutely. that China perspective. Yeah, really definitely more and more interest going over there. Yeah. So, um, so for example, you've got here a percentage of companies with women in leadership roles. We've got founders. Can you just explain to anybody who doesn't know what C-suite is? Yeah, so the way that we define that is executive positions, CEO, CFO, COO, so usually executive um, If you'll see something, board. that's you, champs. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, and, then, and then board of directors. Now, board of directors might be slightly different because they might not be working in the company, they might just be in an advisory role. Correct, so, and, and, but they could. So it's definitely not, it's not operational. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so you've looked at this across, um, uh, across globally. Um, obviously, we've got this uh, US, UK, China um, um, been picked out specifically. Um, percentage of companies with women in leadership roles, 17% founder. Yeah. Are women in the UK. God, it's so depressing. It is. It's really, really depressing. Mm. Um, 35% in China, so double. And uh, 24% in the US, which actually is pretty pathetic as well. Um, what, are you as depressed about that as me? <laughs> I am. I have to admit, uh, I but am. But why, it's... though, Erin? So, uh, I, I know it's complicated. It it's is not complicated. just about discrimination. It's all sorts of things. So I think um, 
the reality of the situation is this is a topic that's you know risen to the top over the last few years for all of the right reasons. And and we could talk about whys. We could talk about um, what has or has not been done to mm-hmm. affect change. And I think the, the thing that we have tried to focus on and some of the other questions that we've tried to pull data around is, well, what do we what do we do with this? Um, what actions can we all take to start to see some significant progress in our industry? Because as you said, these, these results aren't good enough. Um, and one of the things that we talk about, and we'll, we'll come into it, is really trying to dig in into the multiple layers to say, well, where are women starting to gain traction? And and by the way, this issue is not just a gender issue, right? It's diversity across the board. Yes, and I think course. that's something that Absolutely. we need to all keep yeah. front of mind. Um, but yeah, so we're trying to dig in to figure out what actions can we take as opposed to focusing but, but, just on that. But if you look the at these results here, C-suite, so it could be CEO, could be, you know, in charge of HR or, you know, whatever it might be, you know, women are 59% in the UK. So we're saying that there are more women in those positions than men, and yet only 17% of women are founding their own businesses. So it's really weird there. Yeah, I think that um, women-founded businesses is something that we just have – it's just taken so long to get – to get traction and to get change, and if sitting here, I I don't I don't know why. Right? No, I'm not face sorry. Value, I'm not um, asking you to come up with a magic yeah, answer. I'm just I'm just trying to get to the bottom of it. It just seems bizarre that you know we can have these women in these high level positions and more women than men actually, and and yet women aren't founding businesses. It's just so they're happy for somebody else to found it for them. I think is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think that's right, and hopefully. I guess the optimist in me says that if more and more women are taking leadership positions in innovation companies, starting to see what it takes to build a company, going through the ranks, whether they have come from uh, a different industry into innovation or have, have grown up through the ranks into a tech company, hopefully the next iteration, the next year, two years, I can do whatever it, it is, I can do it myself. Yeah, I've got confidence. I've got contacts. Mm. I've got experience that they can now take leverage and uh, and hopefully, as an industry and ecosystem, we can start to provide mm. better levels of support. And I think that the information or the the issues are now mm. 100% front of mind. And I think it's network effects as well, isn't it? Mm. Surely. Mm. Because when a lot of these guys, um, using the guys' guys, um, do that sort of stuff, they ask each other for help and that sort of thing. And I think now that women are in the position to offer that advice, I think you'll see a, a sort of jump. I had one question. Is this the first time you've broken it out to do a separate report? Or what's the jump been since the last one, if you did do that? We did do it um, last year. I think this is maybe our third year in a row, and I don't cool. have the, the stats um, to hand, but I think in our Startup Outlook report, uh, there hasn't been a huge amount of um, movement. positive movement. Mm. The, the biggest change that we actually have seen is the number of companies in the U.S. and the U.K. that actually have now formal programs in place to increase mm. um, diversity and inclusion within their businesses. Yeah, it's not an argument you need to win anymore. It, yeah. It's it's more about <laughs> how, how, but how can we make it happen, how I think, is what it? is exercising people. Um, Paul, when you look at this again, I, mm. I just find it completely bizarre. So we've got only 17% of women in the UK are founders. Mm-hmm. We've got 59% at a very high executive level, yep. but then we go down to 34% on the board of directors. So so this is people who are non-executives and advisory, yep. not operational. So again, when it's board of directors, women, there's only a third. Mm. So I think some NEDs, you know, again, everything's a spectrum, isn't it, with age and sort of experience and that sort of stuff. But NEDs tend to uh, be the older end of that spectrum, I think. And so I think you'll see that go up. Um, yeah. You know, it might take a few years and that sort of stuff. But I've, I'm in, I'm seeing a trend, um, you know, whether it's just me or what people send me or what I've, what I've subscribed to, of NEDs being a lot younger based on mm. their knowledge of emerging technologies or they've run their own business and been very successful sure. and that sort of stuff. So I think it's really interesting, but it is definitely a problem because I think without that um, you need perspective a diverse and viewpoint, board. Yeah, yeah, you're, well, you're just disadvantaging yourself. Of this course. is what kills me about all of that. It's like you're only hurting yourself, yeah. you know? Yeah, of course. And, and in NEDs, you don't often have to pay them. Some of them you do, you know, mm. but some of them will give you their advice and experience and wisdom. So. I've never been paid as a non-exec. I don't know why it is. Um, so we've got, we've got that... Uh, level in the UK, U- US as we said, quarter uh, quarter uh, uh, founders are women. The US really weirdly as well. We've got fifty nine percent of um, UK women at that sort of executive level, 
only 43% in the US, 63% in China. So in China and the UK, it would appear that, that women, there's more women at that top executive level, but not in the US. Yeah, I'm looking I, to you, Erin. I, exactly. I don't know why, but I'm just expecting you to have <laughs> all the answers. Expecting you to have all the answers. And I think what this data is showing us is, is that there, um, in terms of the sweet suite, the the number of companies that have at least one woman, mm. not the percentage of that team, which okay. is female, right? right okay. So it is slightly misleading in that um, it's not 60% of UK innovation businesses are made uh, up of women. Okay, yeah. It's that 60% of the businesses have at least one woman um, at the, the C-suite level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So just to, to clarify that. Um, and then we've got US startups. Um, and it says here, uh, US startups, no women on the board of directors. And, and you were asking about growth, um, Paul. Um, 2015, 68%. 2018, 71%. It just hasn't really moved, has it? Well, don't forget you're talking about large numbers there. So 3% of that could be large and that sort of thing. And also going in the right direction. Yes, it's not 100%, but if you get to 100%, it's going to be imbalanced in another way. So you have to always like look at that. But, but it's, this is going this is going the wrong way though. That's that that's my. Oh wait, thing. sorry, did I misunderstand so, the year? Yeah, so sixty eight percent is two thousand and fifteen. Yeah, seventy one percent two thousand and eighteen. Even if you're do kind, not do not have women. Uh, so even if you're kind and saying it's static, mm. um, that's not really good, is it? No, not great. Sorry, when I understand the math, sorry, it's <laughs> okay. never my strong suit. Let's right. be honest. Mm. Um, yeah, no, not good. Um, I mean, they're not even going elsewhere, are they? It's not like we've had a sudden mm. drop off of women, uh, you know, a mass cull like The Handmaid's Tale or anything like that. It's not good, is it? Um, yeah. On, on Lydia, around the corner. God, um, under his eye, yeah. Alex, before we come on to your, your, your sort of company, have you got any reflections on this, you know, in your experience? And, and I know you've academically, you know, sort of been in that world as well as, you know, corporately. Um, um, well, you, does it make you slightly depressed? It sort of, yes, and, and, and I think... I mean, I think the, the one word that came out of this, which which, which keeps coming forward to me, is is confidence, mm. because um, you know, from a from a startup entrepreneurial point of view, confidence. I mean, it, it is it does require an extraordinary degree of a sort of mixture of confidence and and stupidity and, stupidity <laughs> and all sorts of qualities. Which, <laughs> I would say, yeah, exactly. Well, Having exactly. done it myself, um, I'm gonna. I don't know why I've done it. Yeah, um, but but it is. It's a leap, and and it involves risk. Yeah, and mm. and and I think that. You know, you need you need a you need a sort of curious balance of, of of self belief and humility to make it work. Which means, and you know, when you're going through the process, which every entrepreneur has to, which of raising money, it's just an intrinsic part of the game. Um, you, you know, it, it's it's an exercise in serial humiliation. It just that's just the nature of it, and you have to kind of be okay with that, um, and actually use that as a positive because each time you, mm. you you do your pitch. And it gets thrown out. It's an opportunity to so reply. So I think that, that, that women that are a little bit more thin-skinned. And I know we're generalising terribly. It's a, it's a terrible generalisation. I'm just asking. But, but I think, no, I think I, I, there is a very a, direct question. I'm generalising, like of course. Yeah, I, I think I think that um, you know I think that I think that through through I mean through through all the so, social structures we've got, you know, men are often made to feel maybe more confident than they ought to be but anyway that it's okay to go through that process mm. and that it's not and, and you end up not taking it quite so personally yeah, uh, yeah. And i think i Can think I the I other think? thing i was going to add sorry uh, you know more on the kind of operational side of running a business so um you know obviously you know we want we want more diversity for all the right reasons yeah. for all the sort of macro social reasons but the, the the one that really matters to to me in our business is that um, having diversity in um, a, let's call it a creative tech team, is an intrinsic part of making it work well. Yeah. I, mean, to, I mean, to your point, well, the, you know, that, that, that actually the dynamic of the team and the creative work that you do uh, and the intellectual endeavour is massively improved when you do have a diverse team. Yeah, because you, you're looking at it from all perspectives with all types of ways of thinking, with, with all you know types of experiences. Yeah. And you've got that in the rounds then. Yeah. It's not about male, female, you know, whatever. It's about having that diversity of thought, yeah. isn't it? And so, so it's, not, you know, in a, in a way, it's not, it's a, you know, if you know, being good at that is part of your competitive advantage. Hmm. And I think, I think it's quite important to bring that to the centre of the argument because, you know, if people are brought into, you know, say if women are brought into a team because 
the objective is to get a gender balance, then it undermines the value of that exercise, which mm. is actually you want that intellect and you want you want a different perspective yeah. and you want you, you, you want to create a culture which which actually enables mm. this kind of work to happen. And I think that's that's a, a fundamentally important part of it. And I think when companies recognise that, then it, then it becomes a sort of commercial and uh, and a, a sort of design imperative to get it sure. right as opposed to a political. Erin, I sense you've got feelings on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess coming back to the the confidence thread, I think a lot of it also has to do with um, just awareness, right? Mm. In terms of not not about these issues, which are uh, well documented, but a lot of women that I come through are highly qualified, really, really successful, and they they don't think about themselves as being board ready whatever that means, right? And um, there's some great organizations like The Board List where um, they started in the U.S. It's, it's been launched in, in the U.K. last year. And effectively, it's an organization that is um, peers uh, nominate other, other peers, other women, to say, you are board ready. Um, here's your experience. And it might be for early stage, growth stage, public, private, subsector, whatever it is. So you're getting nominated by your peers. Uh, and then all of a sudden you have the confidence, the access, the infrastructure to say, okay, my skill set is what people are looking for. And so if we can start to foster that type of culture of, of the confidence, awareness, and actually helping people realize that their experience is 100% applicable mm. to being mm. board ready for whatever subsector, whatever mm. um, level of innovation business. It might be. Paul, do you think, I mean, it, that there's a lot going on at the moment um, castigating men by, you know, them being difficult or creating all the rules and making it difficult for women mm -hmm. but there, there is this other side of it isn't it and, and, and you know which, which um, Alex has alluded to is, is that women might be a little bit more thin-skinned you know worried about those sorts of things um, but also they lack in confidence in that they don't think maybe they are ready for the next role or whatever so maybe women do have to take a little bit of responsibility for that. I think any situation that's very eloquently put, I think, uh, yes, is the simple answer. The longer answer is, I think it's two, two hands in that sort of thing. I think, number one, there is a definite lack of people calling each other on rubbish that they say, right? That's for a couple of reasons. Number one, life's too short. And you just go on and that sort of stuff. And if I'm ranting, let's go on Twitter. That's what that's for. But I think the most important part is that we are losing because of these digital areas and the way we're taught things and that sort of stuff, the ability to critically think and call people in a non-aggressive tone, in a non-aggressive way on rubbish that we see. Bad practices, poor workplace skills and that sort of stuff. So Oops. I think it's about reinforcement of men saying weird stuff, bad stuff and all of that sort of thing. <laughs> I've been guilty of it myself. Um, but I, but I've tried to foster people around me that will like say that's that's not right that, that's rubbish like you know Shut this, up. Yeah. Well, have you read this you know mm. you might change your mind nudge nudge wink wink you know that sort of thing but I think the other one is um, people uh, can't talk to each other and say hey I'm not sure you're right about that you know so, so you'd rather me, not be confrontational so, so let, let me undress this so in a way so what you're saying is women are less likely to say can you shut up, you're boring the pants off me and also you don't know what you're talking about when it's a bloke and they're a woman. Don't think it's more likely. I think we're all guilty of it. But so I think all, men so you're just saying, like the sound. Not, no, that's not right to say. Men and, and I know haven't had that feedback. I know we're generalising. You know? I know yeah, we're hugely generalising. And not everybody's like that. Um, so, so, so what you're saying is um, that as a general thing and particularly in the tech world and I know you speak at these types of conferences mm -hmm. you know, all around the world and you, you, you meet lots of people in, in that respect. You're saying that there's quite a lot of people talking a load of rubbish out there. Yeah, there's a load of people who have like read a book and then they'll, you know, base a, uh, what do you call it, a 30 minute talk on it. And you kind of go, but what's your take on it? You know, how have, well, it's the same with case study porn and that sort of stuff. You kind of go, that's fantastic. I could have read that. What, what like, help me with something, you know? Right. I don't need you to take me through that. If you, if you think it's relevant enough, put a video together and I'll watch it when I get to it. I paid for your insights into what you did here. I'd rather learn what went wrong in most things. Yeah, I but I think, think ultimately, most people, when you get up there, you assume a level of expertise when you go up, but no one really calls you on it you know all you've got to go on when you're speaking and i do it when i um, run tnn and that sort of stuff all you've got to go on is 
a YouTube video they might have done, a bio, a recommendation from someone and that sort of stuff. So when I'm curating the best of the best speakers to come and speak, like Kim Scott, um, Radical Candor, author and that sort of stuff, we had the editor of Wired, you know that they know what they're talking yeah. about, you know. And yeah. when you see them hear it and speak, it's so different and it's so considered. But there are lots of people out there who just is that muddle more, their way through. Is that more male than female then, are you suggesting? I mean, uh, what we're saying is, I'm in a tech world. What we're saying is, you know, men are better at bullshitting is what we're saying, aren't we, really? I don't know if bullshitting, I just think not realising that they might not have gold tripping out of their mouths. But again, that's not their own (laughs) fault, you know, to recognise that. It's us, ours to call them on it, you know. Same with, I would say it to a woman as well, you know. As you should, of course you should, yeah. Um, I don't even know what to say about that. Erin, have you got any thoughts on that? (laughs) Am I going to get called? (laughs) I think I think I know what you're saying. I think I think we're putting up with too much stuff that's not, not it's not high enough level. It's not you know it's not it hasn't got enough. The way I always do it, um, currency. I have this um, PDF which I'm happy to send anyone, and it has 52 blocks across the top and 100 down the bottom. And that's if you're being lucky, you'll live for 100 years, right? Babies now will probably live for 100 years. Um, but then you basically go through it and you cross off what you've already done. You cross off your retirement. And then in the bit in the middle, you go, that's your potential. That's when you can do it. And then you take down all that uh, time even further with uh, a third of it's gone already because you're asleep. Um, eating, pooping, restaurants, um, fitness, all of that sort of stuff. And you basically end up with this tiny little square and you go, that's your work career. That's the time you've got to go and make a difference. And people absolutely lose their minds over it. And it's not something revolutionary or anything like that, but it's just saying... Now go and choose who you're going to listen to and who, where you spend your time and what you spend your money on. And you go, will you go home and maybe move Netflix from your first screen to your second screen? Will you move Facebook from your first screen to your second screen? That's the sort of like mm. things and interesting bits and bobs that I try and pick up when I'm listening to people. And then if I can synthesize that in a, mm. it's a cute way, it's great, you know, but I just want people to just I mean, I go always to a lot of seek value, things, you know, you know and if I, not, call yeah. them on it. Because you can't get an, oh, this is my favourite phrase. You can't get annoyed with someone for doing something you've told them they can't do. And that's just something you, every day, just tell someone like, that was terrible, but here's how you could make it better. Or I didn't get enough value out of that. But do you think we could do a follow-up blog post and like get three points out of you that are, you know, a bit different? Really helpful. Yeah. Erin. You know, it's interesting. because I don't I want to get into trouble at work, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> no, me neither. That's for sure. But if I, I think about I've been in I've been in the UK now for just over 10 years. And it's it's unbelievable to see how quickly the whole ecosystem has evolved in terms of tech and innovation. But it's still growing, right? People are mm-hmm, it's yeah, still maturing. Definitely. And so I think that there are pockets of unbelievable experience and expertise and people that have been there and done that. Um, and that's invaluable, right? To find those people that you can relate to as a company builder, whomever. Uh, but I, I do think that with any growing ecosystem, there's people that have made businesses out of giving advice without maybe having the depth that they should to be mm. <laughs> providing that advice. Alex, so, well, Alex, tell me, do you, do you agree with Erin there? <laughs> I I do, um, you know, particularly in the. In We're going to get that so much changed. Twitter traffic on this. You want well, to the fact that it's changed and it's changing at a very rapid pace, and and um, you know, and, and the ecosystem around, let's call it London and the southeast, is is maturing in a very interesting way, um, and you know, locally to us in Oxford, um, you know, I've noticed that the, you know, the rate of startups and the amount of interest and money and investment in startups has. has radically shifted over mm. the last three years, in fact, since we started. Um, you know, my biggest worry when we started off was how am I going to recruit people to come away from Oxford to, away from London potentially to Oxford. In fact, I originally thought I'd have to build a software office in, <coughs> in London and kind of have people going to and fro, but actually that's not been the case. And it's largely because this ecosystem has started to develop. There's been some big funds such as OSI have, have raised the last fund to invest in, in spin-outs. And that's, that's part of a sort of cultural change which is which has evolved and is, and is a very positive thing but it is still i mean you know we've we've been recruiting quite heavily and, and, and but been very much frustrated that we can't find we can't recruit women into our team because they just aren't you know the cvs aren't there um and yeah, so we'd like we'd like difficult. that to change and, yeah and so much as we'd like to have more diversity it's actually very very but it's hard to achieve to, to, yeah. to, to achieve yeah. it yeah um, there are a lot of business advisors out there and, and accelerators and 
gurus and coaches um, and all that sort of stuff. Going back to your point, you've really got to choose those wisely, haven't you, and find out who actually has been there and done it, Absolutely. as opposed to reading a book or <laughs> doing something else. <laughs> but, but, but who's actually been at the right level? And probably important to find somebody that's failed at something as well as succeeded, I, I, I would absolutely. suggest. <laughs> yeah, and one of the pieces of advice that we give to our clients is, um, I guess, taking raising capital as one component of that. Encouraging them to do just as much due diligence on their source of capital as they're doing on them. And, you know, making sure that the people that you're going to bring in your business for a long-term relationship um, are going to be there to support you, have that track record. And it's not just the fund, but it's that particular partner in the fund mm. as well. Um, and it's just and, a and bit of that, advice. Is that about sort of fit in terms of values as well, Absolutely. as opposed to somebody's waving money at me, quick, 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 take it, because there's not going to be somebody behind them. That That's my one chance. To be honest, in my experience, if somebody is going to fund you, somebody else will fund you because they all look, yeah. you know, for the same type of you know, experience on management team or, or whatever you're doing. Um, but people might jump at that quickly as opposed to really working out is what you're saying is check them out as much as they check you out because they've got to be the right type of person. They've got to give you the right advice, you know, and it, it's a it's a it's a marriage, really. So you've yeah, got to make exactly. sure it works yeah, both take ways. Take your time. And I know that's, that's hard when you're in the moment. And mm. like you said, um, timing is of the essence a lot of this a lot of the time with fundraising. Mm. So, um but yeah, I think it's important if you're going Check to bring bring yeah. these people into your business for a long period of time. And there's some great resources um, online everywhere, obviously. But um, two that I was thinking of was number one, TLA Women, which Suzanne's obviously a big um, proponent of, um, and Ada's List as well, which is a group of founders, um, I think predominantly in London, I'm pretty sure. Um, but they swap stories, war stories, helpful advice and that sort of stuff. So check out that Ada's List, A-D-A-S List, um, and look for those. But there are other ones obviously out um, there. There's, well. one in, there's one in Oxford called Tectonic. It's a really good meetup yeah. group. Yeah, good. So to try and get as much help as possible. Before we have a little break and um, talk to Alex about animal dynamics, um, you, you've you got a particular thing that we were talking about just before we went on air. Uh, uh-oh, Gulps. going to really get you into trouble here. Um, in terms of some of the women that are standing up and talking about some of the things that should be happening, quite high profile, and then possibly not doing it themselves. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. I, mean, I thought you were going in another direction with that. And I was like, oh, God. Um, yeah. So, oh God, you are going to get me in trouble. Yeah, no. So, um, being brutal, I think there is talking the talk and walking the walk. And I think um, we've we've gone through the phase of now talking about it. We all get it. Checks, balances, tick, 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 tick. I want to see some action. I want to see a group of women get, and I'm sure they're out there. I'm just not being told or I haven't looked for it hard enough and that sort of stuff. A group of women who are going, yeah, I'm just going to set up a VC firm, um, a PR firm, marketing firm. I'm going to do it myself. Screw everyone else. Done it. I'm going to employ guys and that sort of stuff. If you think about it, 50% of the world's wealth um, and, well, 80% of the world's um, choices are made by women when it comes to consuming purchasing power, yeah. And you go, Jesus, wept, move the money. That's all you've got to do is move the money. Mm -hmm. If you're a female brand manager, take your client away from the company that you're working with if you don't feel that it is the right value you want to see in the world. Be the change you want to do. Move that money. Move it to a female firm, if that's what you think, or maybe a different team, demand diversity. You've got to make that choice. That's the difference that I want to see. I'm so sick of seeing panels, and at the end of it, everyone feels better, goes home, and no change happens. And, you know, even if you give out a checklist at the end, that's still better than nothing. That's better than like about 80% of the things that I get to go to at the moment and see. But I think that that sort of like money, it, it, we're missing it. You know? Is that because women don't realise the power that they have possibly in that respect? That's a very and they don't question. leverage it no, enough. No, I think they do. I just think they've got other things like they're, they're doing other things. I think we're all so busy and that sort of stuff. And it realize. takes someone to just like go, oh, right. So if we do this, then this will happen. All right, let's give it a shot. Hmm. You know, maybe it comes back down to that confidence thing again. Hmm. I don't think there's a class that you can learn on confidence. It's something you have to sort of experience and go, oh, that kind of what? I'll, I'll do, yeah, I'll do that again. And yeah. maybe it's about having people bolster you up at the back end of that. Yeah. But um, I think more and more it's just got to be, you know, 
women helping women, men helping women, just bolster everyone up. I try and say three things to somebody a day that I would have never said to them before that are positive. You've never said that that to me, Paul. At the wrong time, sorry. (laughs) sorry. Um, (laughs) Send you an email. (laughs) But no, but it's that sort of stuff. And I think it's just little changes like that. But if you do that and you say, you know, you know what, you did that really well today. You know, what I really liked about it was X, Y, and Z. And Mm. you wouldn't believe how it makes a difference. And then they think, oh, wow, I nailed that. What else can I do? Harry, you're really good at being our engineer down there. Just thought I'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> He's just stuck his thumbs up. Uh, on that note, we're just going to have a little break for a couple of minutes. We'll be back in a minute. No surprise, darling. Something to celebrate. We've just got a very tasty government cash reward for innovation. All that blood, sweat and late nights finally paid off then. How come? Thanks to our buddies at Breakthrough Funding. Yeah, sorry just slipped out it all sailed through painlessly in no time at all over 40k thank you very much and the planet will benefit too and new shoes for me (laughs) cheers your company could qualify for innovation cash too find out online now by answering just six qualifying questions at breakthroughfunding.com yeah and we're back at the tech talk show with well, basically, Paul Armstrong having a rant. You still still there, Paul? Yes, thank you. Just trolling <laughs> through Twitter as we speak. Um, I think it's important to say, and I think you're absolutely right. It's um, you know, leverage your power. You don't have to be rude about it, do you? Just just no. just make some changes. That's make all. some changes. Come on, let's do it, chaps. Um, so and chapettes. But, but that was but that was chaps, a collective yeah. term. No, 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 that was a collective term. What I didn't... chaps? Yeah. It stands for women and men. Yeah, for me it does. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, come on, chaps. In Sue's dictionary. In, in my world. <laughs> yeah. Just oh, I have my own vocabulary. It's fine. So, Alex, um, Animal Dynamics. Now, uh, Animal Dynamics um, is a spin-out company from the Department of Zoology at Oxford University, and there's deep science to understand natural movement in the animal world to develop new products. Now, the things that I've seen on your website, which I absolutely loved, um, was these sort of mechanical versions of animals that, that you have that are sort of bio-inspired. Um, and I think I saw a drone based on a dragonfly, f- which really um, sort of lit my imagination. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do? It's fascinating. Well, <coughs> we, we, you know, Adrian and I founded the business at the beginning of 2015. Actually, um, after a bit of... Um, resistance on my part because I've, I've started several businesses before and I've, I've come to the conclusion that actually you should do it only when it's the last the last and final available option, option. available <laughs> option you have Get in order to, to express an idea yeah but I, th- I actually think that's quite an important thing because lots of people start businesses when actually the the organization should be something else it should yeah. be a charity or should be a not-for-profit or so I think you have to think very carefully about that um, but we started it because we were um, you know, we had, we'd had some dialogues with um, um, an organisation called DSTL, which is Defence Science and Technology Lab, around a problem, which is how do you make a very small unmanned aerial vehicle or drone operate in extreme conditions? So um, they're useful for all sorts of things. And I can leave it to your imagination for generally looking around corners. Um, but um, the, the, the reality is the aerodynamics, when, when, when something gets small, changes. Um, and um, the vehicles become very unstable, uh, and they don't fly for very long. So, so it's not just as simple as taking a normal drone and oh, let's let's miniaturise it, because mm. actually that process of miniaturising means you have to redesign every, everything almost. You do, and and there's some there's some complex aerodynamics behind it. But but the normal drones are sort of limited mm. by by fact they use propellers. But you look at nature and you find well, hang on a second, you know, bumblebees mate on the top of windy hills. They don't seem to be bothered by it. You know, the, the, them you know, too? Them too, you know. Are you, are you, bothered, are you bothered by that, Paul? <laughs> oh, that's all I use, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, you know when, and, and in fact, you know, when you look at, when you compare any of nature's solutions to the things, even the things that we're managing to build in our lab, which have got really good performance, nature is so far out there in terms of its, its ability that it's... Uh, it's you know, it puts us in our place. Um, and it's also, you know, it's a constant matter of wonder for us, look, mm. you know, looking and understanding. And the, the solutions arrived at, basically through evolution, even though we see them around us today every day. So, like so what pigeons, you're saying is... Incredibly subtle. Yeah, we're using all this brain power to try and solve things, whereas yeah. 
why are you doing that? Because actually, <laughs> nature's spent hundreds of thousands of years, millions yeah. of years, actually refining that and getting it right. So let's see how that works and how let's get right inside it yeah. and understand how that that's designed. Ex- exactly. And and the thing the thing the thing about uh, efficiency in nature is that you know, f- whereas for for the machines, think of the vehicles we design. I mean. We could have made very efficient vehicles 50 or 60 years ago, but that hasn't happened because it requires legislation and it requires you know, scarcity of fuel, fuel costs, all the rest of it. So it's layered on top. Whereas in nature, efficiency is, it has to be designed in intrinsically because because you die otherwise. You, you die, die out. If it take, you know, and if if, if if you know if it takes you more energy to to feed or travel than a competing animal, guess what's going to happen? Mm. And so and so and and the thing about efficiency. Is it's a much more subtle sort of set of numbers than r- something like raw speed. So we think of a car and go, you know, it goes naught to sixty in three seconds. Whoa, but that's not really that's that's not really telling you anything about the efficiency of it. If you say, well, okay, what's the most efficient car that can go naught to sixty in terms of energy use? It's a completely different answer. Mm. Uh, and so, an efficient efficiency is a ratio. It's kind of, uh, and and we often miss that. So. So you look at sort of something like you know a dragonfly is massively more efficient than than, than a drone. I mean, you know, orders of magnitude more so. So, so therefore, it's really worth studying and looking subtly to it. Now, for for for, for drones, the problem you have is that they they're run by batteries, and batteries have got very very low power density. So yeah. guess what? Efficiency is a pretty good way of trying to solve the battery problem. And that's one of the reasons we're interested. Mm. So, if, so if we take that sort of um, you know n- natural efficiency mm. that evolves, you get something like uh, crocodiles or whatever that have been around for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years, millions. almost millions of years, almost unchanged, almost prehistoric, mm. because they're so efficient and they're, they're I mean they're killing machines and they mm. you know and 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 they still survive today because they're as efficient as you can get. Well, they and they I mean they have I mean it's not I mean for for for. Animals that travel over distance, obviously, efficient. Yeah. I mean, um, crocodiles are efficient, are clever in other ways. Right. I mean, they, they've got a, they've got an incredible immune system, mm. so they're able to deal with um, kind of mucky, dirty situation. They hide underwater, and there are also and there are there are theories about why they're still around, but they managed to survive the meteor strike. Um, but um, I mean, there, you know, nature is full of tricks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're, I mean, and you know, we're, we're interested in things that move. We're interested in vehicles. We're interested in you know how you can make more efficient vehicles um, by understanding uh, some of the solutions that nature's arrived at. Mm. We you know we're not. I mean, we quite often get um, you know, viewed as a sort of biomimetic company, and I think biomimicry is a sort of interesting um, kind of mistake in a way because it, it's a mistake to. Try and you know, if you if, if you if you say look at the way a deer moves, why try and make a deer? What you want to do is look and uh, try and understand what's going on, you know, how it's using the elastic um, recover, energy recovery in its tendons and how it's using its musculature and why the le- legs are very thin and so on and so forth, and then try and take the learning from that and apply it to something else. Not but necessarily not necessarily deer. make it visually yeah. the same. No, exactly. So so okay. you know, we're, we're, the, the 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 drone that we're building looks like a dragonfly well because it's got four wings well four wings is a very good solution because it means it can glide um and and dragonflies do very interesting things with the way they beat their wings the wing frequency and the rest of it but they weigh almost nothing they weigh only a couple of grams ours is going to weigh quite a lot more than that and so therefore we're not making a dra- yeah, we're yeah, not yeah. making a dragon but we're learning from it and we're mm. learning from from some of the fluid dynamics that, that comes out of that um, I think you've also been looking at some water craft machines yeah. as well, basing those on, on fish and, and sort of crustaceans. Yes. When I look at crustaceans, I always think those are probably the most inefficient things in, on the planet, but presumably they, they can't be because otherwise they wouldn't survive. Well, they, they, you know, they... they if you look at a lobster, for example, I mean, oh my goodness, I mean, just, <laughs> like, what, what are they about? <laughs> it's very crap. highly of you. <laughs> well, I mean, the... the, the but the, the, but they just look clumsy and, and clearly they can't be because otherwise they wouldn't be surviving. Well, they're, they're not, I mean, they're, they're, again, they're not, they're not creatures that are, that are migrating or going over great distances. Mm. So, so the, but, you know, in, in marine propulsion or going through water, we're interested in fish that swim. So... Mm. You know, and there are and there are you know there are athletes in the natural world. Um, you find that, that crustaceans have got other tricks up their sleeve. Um, but for, for for the athletes, which would be dolphins, mako sharks, whales, and so forth, you know what they're able to achieve is extraordinary. And you know, just as a, something that we all know. So if you see if you if you look behind a boat and you're powering along, you see a great big bubbly wake. You don't see a wake behind a whale or 
tuna or anything like that. Tuna, tuna can go very, very fast, you know, over 40 miles an hour. Um, and they don't produce a single bubble. Now, why is that? Um, and the answer is that in the, in, and, and so, and, and bubbles are, you know, water's signal that and you're that's wasting resist- energy. It's resistance, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. resistance. And it's the fact that they are able to exploit some natural fluid dynamic phenomena in the way you move something through water. Um, and, you know, the, the upshot is that, that, that flapping propulsion is about 30%, 25 to 30% more efficient than propeller. Why is it not used? Well, it's, kind of, it's hard to attach a propeller to, a, to an internal combustion engine. Um, so why don't we why don't we start looking at that? I mean, if you know the the amount of fossil fuels that go into shipping, this is a massively grandiose plan, but why not start thinking about it? You know, two hundred and twenty billion dollars a year is spent on bunker fuel in the large ships in the world. Bunker fuel is pretty revolting stuff. You know, a, a tiny percentage, some argue, ten of the largest vessels on our oceans produce more sulfur dioxide and nitrogen dioxide than the entire motor fleet. Um, so. You know, there the are worthwhile areas to look at. I mean, obviously, we're tiny, so we're starting small. And the mm. thing we're excited about is, at the moment, is, is trying to build a craft that has a flapping foil propulsor driven by a human being. This is what Adrian and I first started yep. working on, not as part of a business, just because we were really interested in the problem. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's see if we can break the human speed record on water using a flapping propulsor, just to show that it's a, a pretty cool way of doing it, and then start applying that to other things. The other elegant thing is you can reverse it. Now, this is biomimicry turned into a human requirement. So you can reverse the flow and use the same technique to generate energy much more efficiently mm. than you could using propeller. And everything moves nice and slowly so you don't chop up the fish. So there are all sorts of kind of... Paul, this is just fascinating. I mean... Uh, yeah, I'm like literally absorbing every word. Going, Alex, please should, can we have this tomorrow? Alex you know? should have like the whole of, of the GDP of the UK to pursue <laughs> this, shouldn't he? Really? I <laughs> think I would like to be able to run on water by the year 20. No, but do you know what I think? I mean, advised, these are just yeah. just why are we looking at other places when actually it's right in front of us? Well, uh, let's throw that open to Alex. Alex, why why aren't you getting masses of funding? Why is well, he probably is that, He's probably very rich. He's sitting there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, you are here. Yeah, after all, yeah. we're, we're, <laughs> well, rich in enjoyment. It's incredibly good fun. Can I you put a price is. on that? <laughs> no, I mean, I do. I think it's totally fascinating. Yeah. Mm. That, Ownership is overrated. Let me tell you that. Yeah. What you do yeah. is what matters. But um, but you know, we are, we are raising money. We're, we're you know, it, it turns out that when you make these things. The, the components that go into making them can be made by sort of bodging stuff that you can buy off the shelf, mm-hmm. but actually you need to design stuff yeah. from scratch to get the kind of efficiency you want. Um, you know, it is, um, I mean, wh- one of the things that I, that, that, that I particularly love about it is that the more we try and do it, the more that you end up kind of, you know, looking in a, I've got another. I've got another problem that I could solve. Well, not only that, you, but you, start, you start looking at a kind of house fly and you think, "Holy cow, that is just one incredible piece of technology yeah. lying around there." As I just smash it to pieces well. <laughs> with a newspaper. Fun fact: I'm not a I Buddhist. Learned, I did a CSI night at uh, the National History Museum. Oh. I found out how to sex a fly by looking at it. There. Yeah, the eyes. If they're together, it's a male. If they, or if I've got that the wrong way, someone correct me. But I'm pretty sure it's the eyes. If they're close together, male. If they're far apart, female. I was absolutely like. Who, who sure. knew that? Someone noticed. I was like, cool. Erin, that's all amazing, isn't it? It really is. I don't even know what I'm to say. Uh, I feel like I've learned so much in the last 10 minutes. Yeah. This is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. So, Alex, of all the creatures that you've been studying, which to you is absolutely, you know, the most incredible on the planet? Oh, that's impossible to ask. Yeah. I mean, the one, the one, the, the one that I, here. yeah, put me on. I mean, the one that I do. I have to confess, I spend the odd evening looking under a microscope at is, is dra- dragonflies at the moment. Um, you know, we're we're trying to make wings, okay, and you know, we we've got access to wonderful materials. You know, carbon fiber, mylar, all sorts of really cool things. The dragonfly has access to keratin and kind of protein sugar mix. I mean, think meringue. Mm. Okay, that's what they make. And the, you know, what they've constructed there is... So it's got wings made out of meringue? Basically. We're not, not <laughs> yeah. I'm never going to look at a dragonfly yeah. the same no, not again. In, <laughs> I'm not saying... Eat. But not, not in terms of eating it, but, but, but that fragile is but what that, I'm that saying. Fragile, but yeah. also, you know, they, you know, they are... I mean, in, in some ways, they're, they're kind of doing what we're doing, which is scrabbling around and using what's around. In fact, they've got a very clever trick up their sleeve, which is that when you, when you... If you picture beating a wing and the wing's very, very light and you want it to go through a curve, it need, you, need, you actually need a bit of mass on it. 
and actually if, if you look at helicopter wings, sometimes you can see they'll have little weights on them. Um, and dragonflies do the same thing. And they've got a little, so if you, next time you look at a dragonfly, try and notice that there's a little dot about two thirds of the way up the wing. Um, it's called the pterostigma. And what they do, not quite sure how they do it, is they sequester, in other words, they gather heavy elements. So in there you'll find things like cadmium, um, which they gather from the environment, and they store in this little tiny dot, which enables them, and it's absolutely crucial to the aerodynamics of their wing. It's incredibly clever. Come on, next so, time I look at them. So what industries is this going to like revolutionise or something like that? Is it just warfare or what, what's happening? Look, you know, the, you know <laughs> trust you. It's, it's always going to go there first. What, they were the what you're saying is you could sell this to Putin, is what you're saying. <laughs> no, I am not. And if you're listening, I love you. Well, yeah, okay. Um, well, you know, drones, as we say, there's been a lot of excitement about them. What are they good for? Primarily for carrying a camera, right? They're actually not that good at lifting stuff. Hmm. Um, and we've looked at that. One of the other projects we've got is building drones that can lift stuff, but we don't use rotating propellers because actually it's not a good solution. Very good for carrying cameras. And there are all sorts of uses for that. Um, from um, you know security, um, looking in, into buildings when they're on fire, uh, inspecting pipes. So anywhere that, that you mines, don't want to send anywhere a human the, or can't yeah. send so, a human. And, and you know the, the the wonderful cool thing about robotics is you can you know over time we're going to be able to, de to to deploy intelligent machines to go and do stuff that actually frankly we'd rather not do. Yeah, I mean I'd rather go and play tennis than go and go down a mine and you know dig around and, in an extremely dangerous place. So. So I think, you know, I think mm. that, you know, and like all technology, there are, there are good uses and bad uses for it. Uh, yeah. and, and both of those need to be very carefully looked at and released mm. and legislated for. But. And, and aside from dragonflies, is, is there any other animals that you really admire in terms of them just being the most efficient things um, from, from your scientific brain? You no, know, I'll, I'll tell you one. I, I, like, I think it's time we start admiring just the ordinary. So there's a, there's a video I've shown a few times, which and, and I urge you, go on, go on YouTube and type in Pigeon flying on motorway, okay. Yeah. So a pigeon, an ordinary pigeon, we see flying around. These things, you know, they, they can fly for a thousand kilometers at ninety kilometers an hour, uh, and they weigh half a kilo. I mean, that is insanely cool piece of athletic behaviour. Um, and there's some wonderful videos on YouTube where you see people driving on the autobahn. There's one I've got where you can see the, you know, the, the speedo saying kind of 100 kilometres an hour, and this pigeon is just flapping along, kind of looks <laughs> up at the car, sort of goes, yeah, whatever, and then mm -hmm. carries on going and kind of surfs behind the, the trucks to get a little bit of, you know, get a bit of wash and then overtakes the truck. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think you'll find, I, and I, what, what's, one of the things that I like about what we do is that by, by, by studying nature, and, and, and by studying it deeply, you end up kind of loving it more and being more, mm. admiring more the solutions that are arrived at and the solutions around us. And, you know, and it leads to sort of breaking one's heart that we're destroying so many of the species in the world because each, each creature that survived yeah. to now has survived as long as every other creature and, and has got incredible solutions. And mm. we need to sort of, you know, get off our, um, get off our Homo sapiens podium and, and, and look at the things around us with, with greater interest and humility, mm. I think. Do you get invited out to dinner a lot? Because I'd imagine a lot of people... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd imagine a lot of people say, let's get Alex round. Oh, he's brilliant. Oh, God, oh, we can listen to all the stuff that he's doing. I bet he gets invited to dinner a lot, don't you? This is fascinating, well, guest. <laughs> I go out to dinner a bit, but I spent quite a lot of time... We spent quite a lot of time Fiddling around in our lab, trying to make things microscope. work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit geeky. Perhaps you wouldn't invite him to dinner after all. I don't know. Maybe he's no, more a lunch person. But it, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. But mm. but going back to what you st you started with, Alex, um, trying to get a diverse workforce is really mm. important to you because of some of the things that you've just described, you really need to think laterally. You need to d delve inside some of those problems and try yeah. and work some of those things out. That the more diverse range of people you have working with you, the more likely you are to solve those problems. Was what you're saying. It, it is, and and what, what's the key to it is is the the culture that you create. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so 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 you know, what is a you know a company is a collection of people trying to do something, you know, with a purpose or a mission, uh, and you know, in our case, trying to solve some quite difficult problems, um, where and, and difficult because they're mathematically hard, but also difficult because you don't really know if we're going to come up with a solution. Yeah. Okay. So so there is uncertainty, um, a huge amount of uncertainty in the mix. And therefore, you, you need to have a culture where people can put forward ideas that may be wrong, 
but maybe good or maybe quirky uh, and not feel that they're going to be shot down. Yeah, and, just and, try it. And cre- and, yeah. And, but creating a sort of, you know, a culture and atmosphere of trust around problem solving is is an incredibly important part of the process. And my own view is, is, that, is that diversity is a contributor to that. Mm. Um, um, and I think that I think, I think the more diverse your group of people... Um, it, the more that slightly yeah, happen. and and you get a culture of it's okay to yeah. fail. Yeah. It, what we'd rather do is try and fail yeah. than than not say it because yeah. you're worried somebody will think but it's, it's silly. You know, it's it's also it's a difficult, it's a very big challenge in to men, to maintain that kind of thing as you grow a business yeah. because you know as you grow the meetings get bigger. You think if I'm going to say something, I'm not just saying it in somebody in front of somebody I know quite well because we've worked together for a year. It's in front of a you know a group of eight or nine people, some of whom I don't really know. I'm just going to keep quiet, yeah, which is yeah. a complete disaster. So mm-hmm. trying to trying to create that culture is what's important. And I think mm-hmm. that I think you need, I mean, it's a really simplistic way of saying, but I think you need diversity to contribute to that in order yeah. to ensure that the sort of nobody's like, ever afraid. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that the social mix and the gestalt of the kind of way in which you work together is such that people mm-hmm. can everyone can contribute. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. So if you want to, and why wouldn't you, and I urge you to, find out more about Animal Dynamics and what Alex and his team are doing, you need to go to Animal Dynamics, which has got a hyphen in the middle, animal-dynamics.com. Um, and there's some really great stuff. And the, I know you've got some um, videos on um, Vimeo and other sorts yeah. of things. And so we start, do we, check we, those we, out. We do have a... We're fairly active on Twitter. We put out yeah. stuff that we're interested in. So follow us on Twitter. And, Paul, um, get on that. You'd and, love that. Um, you know, we, we find stuff that, that's in the... You know, that, that we articles that we come across and whatnot and we comment on them sometimes yeah. and obviously we tell people what we're, yeah. there's some of the stuff that we're doing we can't talk about but I'm longing to yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you can always tell us we okay. won't tell anybody <laughs> um, so thank you very much um, Alex Katia um, Erin uh, from Silicon Valley Bank um, thank you thank you for your research and things yeah. I bet you've just thank enjoyed you. being here and listening I, to all that stuff. I, I always the learn part of the I always learn something do you absolutely mm. it's the best part of, of my job is being yeah. with amazing entrepreneurs and hearing just the Fantastic ideas, fantastic stories that they have. Um, and if you if you want to check out um, Silicon Valley Bank, um, lots of um, support around early stage businesses there, and they also have lots of um, uh, stats and, and and all sorts of other things. Um, SVB, so that stands for Silicon Valley Bank. SVB.com, and if you forward slash UK, you get the UK version. That's right. That's right. And the so, reports are on there as well, aren't they? Yeah, all, all those reports. Yeah, that's good. So Erin Platts from Silicon Valley Bank, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks again. Um, and you've been listening to the um, Tech Talk show. Thank you to my fellow presenter, Paul Armstrong, author thank you. of um, Disruptive Technologies. You can include a bit on um, sort of animal stuff next time. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, this is definitely opened my eyes to it. I think there's yeah, more too. and more that's um, possible. Uh yeah, inspiration can be drawn from a lot of places, and nature yeah. is definitely one where it's come from before. Yeah. But I don't think it's ever been really applied in the way that Quite you're in the moving same it. Way. So really interesting. Yeah, yeah. very good. So um, you can check out um, hundreds of our podcasts on our website, which is techtalkshow.co.uk, and uh, you can listen to us on iTunes, the podcast app. Oh, everything. Podbean, you name it, we're everywhere. So, yeah, so if you just um, type in uh, Tech Talk Show, you'll find us. Um, And if you want to recommend any future guests as as interesting as Alex and Erin, please just uh, get in touch with us on Twitter at Tech Talk Show UK. I hope you have a good week. Bye now.